0: Welcome to Telegeography Explains the Internet, the show that explores the business behind all of the ways humans stay connected around the world. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and my guest today is William Collins, Principal Cloud Architect at Alkira. As you might guess from William's title, our episode today is focused on many issues surrounding cloud and enterprise as I ask William to delve into the history of enterprise cloud and highlight some key issues in cloud networking and utilization today. William has an interesting perspective coming from the enterprise network side. And we start out with him explaining Alkira and why he thinks it is the greatest company on the planet. Then we get into William's take on the history of enterprise cloud development and its impact on the network team. We spend some time in the podcast on the challenges and solutions to multi cloud, and then get into super cloud, uh, what that is, and what the implications are for enterprise networks. Finally, we also touch on Alcura's Extranet as a service and get into some use cases for enterprises who might need this kind of solution. So, as a podcaster himself, William was a very clear and easygoing guest. So, I hope you will enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome to the show, William. Really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's always great to have a guest with a, a super professional setup. So you sound great. Thanks for that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, um, William. You know, we we always start out the show. I think it's better for my guests to introduce themselves than me to sort of read a uh, you know a potted bio kind of thing. So tell us about yourself, your background in networking, how you got you came to be a principal cloud architect at Alkira.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm really just a, uh, I'm really just a nerd trying to make my way in the world. So yeah, my background, isn't that true for many of us? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I still have a, a, just a huge home lab, you know, a lot of the stuff from studying CCIE like long time ago, mm-hmm. you know, I still lab things up. I have Kubernetes running in the basement, you nice. know, and, you know, my background, like going farther back is really grounded in like network engineering. And then when cloud came along and sort of, you know, um, you know, it didn't just rearrange the table, it flipped it over right. and then a lot of automation uh, scattered throughout the years. I was on the enterprise side for about 15 years before I came to work uh, at Alkira, mm-hmm. you know, the greatest
0: company on the planet, in my opinion. All right. Well, that's, that's a great way to start. So, you know, we're a generalist kind of podcast covering all things telecom. So a lot of folks listening are definitely going to know Alkira, but maybe you could just give us kind of the rundown of, of the greatest company on the planet then, yeah. So if you
1: uh, I'm I'm not gonna give a canned answer here. Yeah, I'm that's just that's kind of think yeah. about it. <laughs> Which so is to you, make sure this is
0: the, the PR uh, muster, but other than that, right? <laughs> there <laughs> yeah, we go. Yeah.
1: So if you look at like the at the typical enterprise today, you know, they're still they've still got applications running in their data centers. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's gonna change anytime soon. Right. Um, now though you have a uh, proliferation of, you know, apps, microservices, uh, you know, running across multiple clouds, you know, you have to connect a hybrid workforce. You still mm-hmm. got offices, you know, if you're healthcare uh, hospital system, you've got hospitals, you know, they never closed down uh, mm-hmm. during COVID. They had to keep things going. And then you have, you know, these organizations trying to do this transformation uh, cloud migrations, just constant change. Well, like what Alkira does is it gives you a consistent network uh, across all these areas across clouds offices data centers and you know any other network that you wish to connect and operate and mm-hmm. we
0: do it as a service right and that's that's uh your sort of cost, your enterprise customers still need to get to you at at a kind of neutral data center kind of thing through through DIA or some other kind of connectivity service like that
1: yeah, last mile, so you can connect into Alkira in any numerous ways. You can mm-hmm. use vanilla IPsec if you want. You know, pick your SD WAN provider if you mm-hmm. want to use SD WAN. Um, if you have a uh, like a direct connect with AWS today somewhere, it doesn't matter where it's at. You know, we can actually onboard that as a mechanism to getting into our platform as right. well. So, and that's just part of it. Like the, the way that I've sort of seen it happen is, you know, enterprises' first problem to solve is, hey, we got to get to the cloud, right? You know, so these are our options to get to the cloud. And then, you know, one of the reasons we exist is like once you get dropped off at the cloud, then what? There's still a lot of networking in the cloud. It's just the tip of the iceberg. It can get pretty complicated uh, pretty quick, especially when you factor in multiple clouds. So we operate in that area of getting it to the cloud and then also all the networking inside and across clouds as well.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. We 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 do a little survey of um, you know, IT infrastructure managers from large multinational enterprises around the world. And um, and one of the things we've asked kind of periodically over the years is basically just how do you connect to your cloud providers? Um, and I'm I'm always surprised to see there's still tons of IPsec as, as the answer to that that question. There's also a fair bit of, you know, direct connects through and you know, network service providers, cloud service providers, that kind of thing but then also like we 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 see you know of course everyone is multi cloud now and by everyone i mean like i think literally in our last survey like 100% of folks were using more than one you know sort of infrastructure as a service partner certainly um, but there is this sense that once you get there then you're done <laughs> but that's exactly what you're saying is that is that is not true at all right a so. 100%
1: yeah not yeah i remember the the first time that Something that just used to drive me nuts. So when I worked on the enterprise side, like cloud came along and it was cool and you have all this investment and all this marketing and all these cool shiny things like serverless and the Kubernetes and all these things on the app side. But when you came down to networking, you know, for the longest time, like you had like a direct connect and a site to site VPN. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, go piece this together and figure it out for yourself. And that's just like one cloud. Right. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of innovation there at the beginning. And, you know, cloud providers have slowly started releasing things mm-hmm. over time, but there's still a gap between, you know, if you're, a, if you're a network engineer, you're thinking BGP, you're thinking route, like, how am I really going to build a really good routing topology across all these distinct areas? Right. You know, how do I do that when, you know, my options are limited in the cloud? And that's another area we can really help with. You know in terms of like thinking bgp routing policy uh failover like doing you know sort of meeting the enterprise like where it's at today but then sort of bringing them along in that cloud journey to get them to you know where they want to go right to get them on that journey
0: yeah yeah that's key so sort of this is here what can we actually do with it and how do we make that work right <laughs> yeah so, so yeah, that, that that brings me to to one of the first things I kind of wanted to to dig into, which is just the the general evolution of cloud that we've seen. Um, it is one of those things that uh, very often happens in in the tech kind of world, which is that a a word is very capacious. Right there's there's a lot that goes into to what you're talking about um, with cloud. So especially since you're coming from the uh, 15 years of experience on on the enterprising networking side. I don't know. Take us through your your sort of impression of of what has happened in the last sort of decade plus, from you know going back uh, to when most um, compute was happening on you know premises, to sort of cloud coming along. Uh, your impression of it at that time, and 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 where we've ended up now with sort of uh, literally everything as a service. <laughs> it's a-
1: yeah, that's a good. So I, just thinking back when I first. When I got a, you know, when I was doing my first, I would say real technology job, like not a like not a help desk or some, mm-hmm. you know, a you know, catch and dispatch, but um Enterprises going through this transition of the hypervisor, you know, VMware had hit, and we were doing almost like some PTSD coming back with some of this <laughs> stuff, but like we were doing yeah. these like large scale exercises of P to V, you know, physical to virtual migrations. Mm-hmm um on premises. So your your whole your whole infrastructure's bare metal. Right. Like real like every server is a server. Right. And then virtualization came along and really was just gigantic. Um, just thinking of okay like we you just we can use what we have more efficiently. So then, you know, these companies, you know, the companies I worked for anyway, you know, had these uh, migrate these uh oh quarterly things of like okay you know by uh such and such a date this much of our infrastructure is going to be virtualized this percentage you know and there was all these targets you were trying to hit so it's funny like how there's so many comparisons to draw to that time to like now Mm -hmm. where enterprises are saying okay we're we're digitally transforming and we want to have this much of our uh, infrastructure that's in the data center, we want to have it cloudified. We want right. to digitally transform and move it into the cloud and maybe even have a data center exit strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you mean you know, these removing are things, any kind of like bare metal uh, or on premises kind of data center utilization at all, basically.
1: Yeah. And we can maybe circle back to that later in the conversation. I mm-hmm. think that's a whole different thing in and of itself. But yeah, yeah so that you had this evolution of the hypervisor and then you have like software defined networking that came along little rough at first i mm-hmm. think my my first real operationally feasible software defined um, technology that i deployed was WAN, really that actually worked and actually was okay like we actually transitioned the whole wan over to this thing mm-hmm. and it works as expected it's really useful uh, some of the other software defined data center stuff was a little slower you know, again, it's your core infrastructure. It takes longer. You don't,
0: you don't just flip a switch. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's interesting that you say that. So, so to give you some context, like, uh, we used to run a conference called the WAN Summit that was about, you know, bringing together, uh, you know, large multinational IT infrastructure teams and, and carriers, vendors, that kind of thing. And, this is 10 years ago. So like 2013, 14, 15, the, the conversation was all around SDN. And I think a lot of the enterprises in the room were sort of scratching their heads about like, well, what does this mean for me? That sounds like a carrier, you know, they, we didn't call them hyperscalers back then, but, you know, cl- cloud provider kind of problem. It was really SD-WAN that brought what, you know, that, that sort of general idea was to, to something that the enterprise could could actually bite into, you know.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It doesn't make for an enterprise unless they can deploy it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: operate it, and support it. It doesn't. It's just not going to happen, especially now these right. days.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Because there, there, there are so many moving parts that uh, that anybody on the enterprise side is is focused on that uh, something has to be sort of turnkey to, to, to be uh, uh, useful at all, right? So, right exactly and then you have
1: repatriation coming up all the time in the news and the mix as well and mm-hmm. then you know all introduces all sorts of other questions like oh is it you know is it 100% on prem or 100% cloud and you know dare i say that there's a balance to be struck there somewhere like okay right. it's not a zero sum game mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. just what is good for the business for this type of application or these use cases
0: yeah that's a good point it's sort of you know if we if we talk about the sort of current state of, of enterprise cloud. And, and sorry if I derailed you from, from your history at all. If there's anything else you want to bring up there, feel free to. But uh, but thinking about the, the sort of current state of, of enterprise cloud, it's, um, you know, I think very much that balance of like, rather than thinking of this uh, from a, a, a holistic network situation, it's really an application or workload by workload kind of issue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because if you think about, I'll just use one real example. So I, I worked somewhere and, you know, we had, we're a big company. We had a lot of applications, mm-hmm. you know, these applications were deployed and, you know, built and maintained at different times based on whatever technology stack was there at that time over many years. Right. So you don't just say, okay, I've got, you know, for us, it was over a thousand applications. Right. Uh, and you just don't say, hey, I'm going to migrate these to the cloud and I'm going to have the same process that's going to work for all of them across the board. Right. You no, know, you've got to peel back storage. you've got to peel back all the application dependencies. You really have to profile all those applications. and then you have to have some sort of assembly line of sorts, you know to say, okay, you know, if we did want to move this application, you know sometimes I've seen a lot of lift and shift happen in the earlier days. You know, but for some applications, the, the cost it, you know, would incur to actually rebuild them, mm-hmm. replatform them, just complete redesign. Um, there's a lot of cost associated with that. And if it's, um, you know, for the business, it's a business decision. You know, do you want to spend this much to do this thing? And if not, okay, it sits in the data center or maybe you can lift and shift it. Right. So, yeah, it gets it can get complicated, but yeah, no, no application is ever the same.
0: Yeah. And so, so to, to sort of put a pin in that you're, you're looking at a situation where, you know, the whole idea of going back to virtualization and then cloud and X as a service is that there are economies of scale on, on the sort of uh, virtualization digital transformation cloud and that are hard to replicate uh, on, on the enterprise side. However you're saying that if if the lift and shift process and, and the redesign that needs to happen um, to facilitate the applications uh, sort of process changing uh, can can overwhelm that sort of uh, potential cost savings basically yeah yeah absolutely and yeah some things just
1: again it all depends on the application the the staffing and and a lot of other things but yeah each, each application just seems to be unique mm-hmm. and the cloud providers have these frameworks that loosely uh, they they're a good they're a good type host i i think they're good you know and it's basically like you know you have these assembly lines or these different ways like you can either lift and shift you can um, replatform, which maybe re you know, so lift and shift is just moving everything up to the cloud right. as is. You're not you're not changing a thing, right? Right. You know, replatform is going to be a little different. Like maybe you d de- you know uh, uh, peel off the storage and use like a cloud native database that scales. You know, to help you with your synchronous asynchronous data transfer. You know, uh, high availability DR stuff with storage, which is you know quite a challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, the app still lives in a VM, like a three-tier or something. Right. So you've replatformed some of it. But then the complete rearchitecture, you know, so the cloud providers have these different assembly lines to where you can kind of think, okay, like, you know, as I'm profiling these applications, I can kind of set them in here. And then I can have a strategy for each one of these things. You know, but I found in, in practice and actually doing this, that's even, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's really hard, you know,
0: Data centers are uh, complicated places, I would say. Yes, yes indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I suppose um, sort of related to that would be this complication that comes from, so we're thinking about the the networking team impact, right? But then there's issues with, there's, you know, shadow IT, that folks have moved, uh, you know, workloads to the cloud um, sort of without the the uh, knowledge or, or, you know, um, imprimatur of the uh, of the the network team, but but beyond that, even just there's you know DevOps and and all kinds of uh, other things that fall under um, you know the the, the general IT uh, group within an enterprise that have to I would think work closely together with the network team and sorting out how all of this ultimately um, unfolds in in that sort of assembly line process. What's your what's your take on that? That's a really good observation
1: and a really good, yeah, so one thing I noticed in the earlier days of this digital transformation thing is one of the, I would say, a a reputation that that came along with compute and network and security teams in the data center was, well, they're slowing us down.
0: Mm -hmm, They're mm -hmm. going
1: too slow. You know, one of the things that cloud allows us to do is it allows us to hit the ground running. Okay, we've already got these VMs up. We, you know we've already got the application deployed. Great. And you know, so when you think about the you know being able to move fast like that, and you know the the traditional teams, you know, sort of slowing things down, right. you know, this created a stigma of or just sort of a persona of like we don't need them anymore. We don't need this. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the and as long as I've worked in networking, You don't need the network folks until you need the network folks. Exactly. As it turns out, building a ton of stuff in cloud, like a lot of times, like I would get brought in to look at like, okay, the, you know, cloud teams actually took the example 10 dot cider range that's in AWS's documentation. Mm -hmm. And they actually use that same cider range on like every VPC. And now we have this. Unbelievable amount of overlapping IP. Well, the network team didn't even know we were deploying in cloud at the time. Right. But now we're being called in because now this VPC that has the same cider range as like a wireless network and you know on West Coast is um, you know, needs to talk to some, you know, something in the data center and then you need to transfer data over. Right. You know, so right. then you have these problems you have to solve. So yeah, it's a it was a big thing. And then i you see a slow transition of, you know, the Okay, we need to bring network security and compute into this thing Mm. earlier in the process Mm -hmm. so we can get out in front of these things in the future because hey, this set us back in this project by some several months. Right. Because we created these problems we didn't know were going to be problems. And then from there, you know, you see a lot of the business like as a whole taking a more strategic approach with these critical infrastructure pieces especially networking right you know bringing again in sooner and thinking of it as a you know a strategic you know how can we actually enable the success of all these things with really solid built network uh, an optimized network you know one that can do the segmentation we need one that can mm-hmm. be you know maybe it's api backed you know we can put some automation around it we can put some guardrails and controls around it so it you know it eventually works its way into strategy
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you made a a bunch of great points there. But one that I always like to focus on is is that, you know, it seems like we really did have a world before where it's, you know, everyone within the enterprise saying, here's all the things we want to do. And there'll be network to take care of that. Whereas now the network has become kind of more uh, has to be integrated into that process. What can the network allow you to do? Um, what, what are the implications from that network for the security team and, and all that sort of thing where it seems like there's a much greater complexity problem of harmonizing different stakeholders, of, of but but ultimately also that that the network can be, rather than the sort of afterthought of like, yes, okay, then under that put a network, kind of an enabler to, to allow those folks to think about the world in a new way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%.
0: Yeah, cool. So, um, let's talk about you know multi cloud a little bit, since that is, uh, I think, very much um, what you guys are focused on. And like I said before, I think multi cloud is just a fact that, that that is where enterprises all find themselves for, for various reasons. So, you know, cloud providers have different strengths. All the different applications and things that you're doing are, are going to uh, sort of lend themselves to to different you know hyperscalers and 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 whatnot. So um, that creates a big challenge along the lines that we've been talking about. What what do you see as the sort of challenges that are presented by by multi cloud for uh, for the enterprise? Sure, yeah. I mean, for
1: for the longest time, I think in, enterprises like first they found themselves like they you didn't have like some big meeting with like a CTO and your VPs <laughs> and some. Like, hey, we're going multi-cloud. That just sounds like a plan. It just right. sounds cool. It's just something that happened.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's just something that happened. And a lot of times, like one work company I worked for historically or in the past was, um, you know, we single cloud. We were doing single cloud actually fairly well. And then, you know, turns out we acquired another company and they were in a different cloud. Mm-hmm. So now we're multi-cloud. Mm-hmm. And that came on like a like a storm. Right. So, yeah, like some of the things... I think back to what I was saying earlier about like in the data center, hey, BGP, AS path prepend, prefix lists, route maps, mm-hmm. route based policy, um active standby because I got some firewalls, you know, stateful things. You know, thinking through these these designs and architectures is what networking folks, you know, have done for a really long time. Right. And coming into the cloud space, like every cloud is different. So you know, even even the scope in which, you know, subnets. So you create subnets in these cloud providers and even the basic construct of a subnet works different. So some cloud providers will actually span subnets, stretch them across availability zones, whereas, you know, some clouds, you know, like AWS and, you know, Oracle OCI, you know, their subnets are only in scope, for one specific availability zone, mm-hmm. this changes a whole architecture of, of you know, inserting a service or you know, doing different things. So you have all these different components, which means, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it can be network, it can be storage, it can be any other facet of your your technical arc. You know, your tech stack, um, but you have to make that decision of, okay, am I going to hire a whole bunch of skilled individuals across mm-hmm. all these distinct areas? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to start build, you know, bringing in certain products that sort of abstract some of this for me? Right. You know, think like an overlay, like instead of having, um, you know, this many ways to do security groups or to control or steer traffic, you know, I, I want one way to do it, which right. is where, you know, products like ours help out.
0: Yeah, no, I mean that's a great point. I think that that applies across the sort of networking space in in 2023, uh, which is that um, you know even leave aside the kind of economies of scale issue that that you know whether we're talking about multi cloud or, or something like Sassy, um, there's just economies of scale for having fo- folks who are focused on that um, and constantly updating with the new information and all that. Even if you were like willing as the enterprise, I think to to pay for those skills, I don't know if you could find them. Right? You know, it, you know, there's just not enough uh, people with those skills to to be in house at at all the multinationals that would need them. I would think, you know.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point, and that's something that I when I I haven't been around for as long as you know some folks, mm-hmm. but you know when I first started you tended to have folks that would stay with like one or two companies like for their, like the, the duration of their entire career. Right. Like a lot of folks that were just very loyal to that company. You know, they, they started help desk and they got up to yep. Wintel server or network or wherever and they just kept with the same company. But now folks move around like crazy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do you like, if you're an enterprise, like one big challenge, um, you know, I hear a lot about is like, how do you retain talent? Cause you need a, you need some sort of balance of, uh, you know, existing talent that's been there that understands the architecture, you know, someone yeah. that's going to stay around for a while. Institutional knowledge, you need right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A
1: hundred percent. But then you need new fresh sets of eyes as well. So you have to have some sort of balance there right. because you want fresh perspective coming in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, getting, finding and retaining uh top talent right now is a uh, very very hard. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and, certainly the, you know, that, that's why I think there's all these tools, uh, sort of out there, uh, the, 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 market, uh, has supplied all these different tools that, that offer you these kinds of solutions that, um, that you, you don't necessarily need someone in-house to understand fully, right. But just to, to get, you know, to, and, and know what to do and, and how to order it. I mean, you know, ultimately, right. The, the promise of, of all of this kind of automation NAS stuff that, that we're looking at is that, you know, a, a reasonably skilled um, networking person can just go on a portal and spin things up, right? You know what I mean? So yeah. um, uh, without without having to do all the, uh, the thinking about the stuff that, that you're thinking about on, on the Elkira side, I reckon, you know?
1: Yeah, and we can fully, like we're fully API backed and you can, if you want to automate 100% of everything, whether it's Terraform or, you know, writing your Python scripts, you can do it. But right. but the way that we've, you know, built this platform, we have some You know, our engineering team, you know, just surprises and impresses me like all the time uh, with how just the level of thought and detail they've gone into making this almost like a no-code platform, Mm -hmm. as in you log into the UI and you don't need to write a single line of code if you don't want to, because you Mm -hmm. can do everything you need from the portal. You know, it's that easy.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Now, of course, there's always uh, that space for like the sort of co-managed model, if you will, like folks that that need, you know, and can and need to go in there and do a little something, I, can you accommodate that as well, basically? Of course, yeah. yeah. Everything
1: uh, is, you know, identity-backed, you know, login, you know, making sure that the whoever's logging in, like they have only access to the things they need, you know, mm-hmm. if your security having access to the policy and, you know, whatever functions from the security point of view if your network, having access to the sites, if you're cloud, maybe you have access to the cloud networks. Yeah. So breaking that down and making sure that, you know, because with with our solution, like we go beyond network Mm -hmm. and that's just a a reality. So we, you know, a lot of times we see cloud practitioners that are jumping in and doing things, Mm -hmm. you know, security practitioners, you know, all, you know, people on separate, separate teams within an organization. So you have to have that control. Right. For sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All zero trust. I, I want to sort of move back a little bit um, to to the the multi cloud idea, and I, I know that um, that one thing you guys are talking about now is is the super cloud sort of um, end end game of multi cloud. I, I don't know that all of our listeners will even be sort of familiar with that phrase. I think it's it's a little bit new, especially if if you're not sort of real steeped in the cloud world. What is what is super cloud and 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 how do how, do, how did we get there and and what do, what kind of issues does that uh, bring up?
1: A really good question. And I had a love-hate relationship with the term super cloud at first I did not like it. <laughs> yeah. I was like we we
0: don't need any yeah. more words. Just- there's already hyperscalers and <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, we've got Gartner yeah. that's churning out these yes. these fray, you know, phrases and things like constantly. So let's just not you know but super cloud for me made a lot of sense um, you know from so if you think about the enterprise you know in reality again it's you know a reality that spans multiple public clouds mm-hmm. data centers lots of services it spans a lot of things you know so for me super cloud is like a additional abstraction layer that sits atop all these distinct areas mm-hmm. you know in such a way that is operationally sound for that enterprise right so again like instead of having Four or five different ways to do things on the network for these areas okay i'm consolidating that into one way of doing it right so you know the business can deploy operate and support with you know some robust uh you know security and the performance that it needs to scale mm-hmm. so really it's I, I think super cloud is like a long-term proactive strategy whereas like multi-cloud at least when i was in the enterprise. Nobody liked multi cloud because mm-hmm, we had to mm-hmm. deploy and operate it. It was a nightmare
0: right because you know, and that was there's so many different uh what just just like you said that that the, each each cloud provider that you're using is not only for different purposes but has different sort of complexities that you have to think about right yeah,
1: so instead of I'd say like our the the multi like in frame framing like multi-cloud in the enterprise it was almost like a problem Mm -hmm. like we're reacting to a problem we have this multi-cloud problem now and we've got to come up with something to make to keep the ship sailing right whereas super cloud is more proactive and it's like a strict you know strategy for it in a sense
0: yeah, you know, no one asked me, and and for good reason. But I, I would have, I, I think, I would have called it meta cloud. You know, it's, it's it seems more like that. That it's it's not that you're like you know, sort of uh, souping up your cloud. It's it's more that you're you're pulling back a layer of abstraction, maybe, and 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 allowing things to move across that multi cloud environment without it being a complexity problem. Is 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 that uh, uh, stabbing in the right direction at least?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think MetaCloud has actually been used a little bit, maybe,
0: mm. or it right. might have a they different were. meaning. Yeah, Probably that's the thing. That's meaning. well, it's also in you know, as I'm sure you're well aware, you talk to uh, ten people in this industry about what an acronym means and uh, and or or name, and you get ten different answers, right? So, um, so yeah. sassy. Or so if is you my, do zero trust, you might get thousands of different answers. Ex- ex- exactly. Particularly in the in the security area, certainly, I know that. Um, uh, we've been working on a kind of sassy uh, analysis uh, project here, and, and uh, definitely, I, I think the industry is pining for someone to nail down what sassy is exactly. But yeah, yeah, um, does sassy work into all of this? What you're doing since since I brought it up? So in, in terms of um, of not just super cloud, but just in in general, sort of those wishing to adopt a, a a sassy posture. Obviously, a lot of that are things like virtual firewalls and and Casb and whatnot. Um, how, how does that play into to your vision of of where enterprise cloud is right now?
1: I don't think I don't think super cloud and like multi cloud networking. So sassy basically takes. Uh, specific security functions that mm-hmm. do like entirely different things you know like you right. said casby and um like ztna mm-hmm. um, secure web gateways you know even WAN. you bundle yep. them together usually a single vendor is like the new buzzword oh it's single that, vendor that's SaaS exactly vendor. what i've been looking
0: to who has a yeah. full full stack of uh of sassy products yeah exactly yeah
1: yeah And so super cloud or, you know, especially with Alkira, this cloud network as a service, what we do is a little more uh, strategic. So Mm -hmm. it says, hey, you have all these areas, you have applications running in, you know, multiple clouds perhaps. So instead of doing networking, you know, like I said, in four or five different ways, let's do it one way. So instead of having, you know, storage in several different ways across several clouds, let's do it one way. Whereas, you know, and one of the things with, you know, that, you know, our founders, You know are absolutely brilliant and looking at and and sort of thinking about enterprise is not you know enterprise is never going to say oh we you know want like one vendor we're just going to use one vendor right it's it's always multiple vendors Mm -hmm. i mean most of the enterprises i worked at like had like several firewall vendors Right. right and that's where you know instead of taking that single vendor approach of we will do all the things for you um, we do a lot of integrations with right. best of breed right. um, solutions that companies are already using. You know, mm-hmm. Palo Altos, Fortinet, you know, inserting and instantiating info uh, a lot of different awesome, you know, excellent integrations that make our our customers' jobs, you know, easier at the end of the day. Right. So instead of having to think, okay, we've got to pick a Sassy vendor that has you know, this, this, and this, okay. Does this ETNA do this? Okay. Does a secure web gateway work like this? You know, we take that approach of, okay, insert what you need, you know, where you need it. It can be multiple vendors if you want. Um, yeah, You don't even need to have any, it just, it's up to you, whatever makes your business run.
0: No, that's, that's a great point. Another, another sort of uh, back to that idea that there's um, the, the complexity of of the IT infrastructure manager has has um, exploded in the past few years, but that you know, the the channel partnerships that are in place um, uh, allow you to sort of select even maybe on an application by application basis, rather than um, you know sort of uh, trying to to make everything fit um, with with one kind of lock in sort of provider. I think I think that's the model that that I see you know, really taking off for, for all of this, uh, sassy oriented stuff, especially. So for sure. Yeah. Now let's, um, also talk about, uh, something that, that was a little bit new to me when, when we were sort of planning for, for this podcast, but, um, I, I'd certainly heard of, of extranets and, and, and that general sort of idea, but I understand you guys have now uh, this extranet as a service and, Let's start with just sort of um, uh, you know again since we're a general telecom podcast and maybe maybe give us um, a, a sort of background on on what extranets are, what what enterprises typically do with them, and then oh, you know how we get into uh, providing that as a service.
1: So you know you know what I think of when I hear the word extranet, I think of really old Disney movies because right. that's about how old extranet
0: is. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs>
1: Yeah. extranet has been around. It's been a known quantity for enterprise for like ever since I first started.
0: Right. You ever know, since basically they, there just, was an intranet that they needed to expose to anybody else, right? So which has always been the case, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Always had this need, although it's evolved over time. So it's mm-hmm. you know basically the network design that you put in place uh, in your data center uh, to securely connect um, uh, customers, partners, third parties, right. whatever, untrusted um, to, to various resources internally. And, you know, usually, uh, thinking of like in the enterprise context, you have your, your data center and you'll have different pods or different areas. Your, your data center is usually somewhat modu- modular, mm-hmm, modular, modular. Mm-hmm. Can't talk. So That's all right. we, you'll we, have a, got you, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you'll have a module basically for untrusted, um, extranet, you know, usually it's a separate set of firewalls, maybe mm-hmm. separate routers, usually a whole separate, you know, isolated data center within a data center sometimes right. that everything's going to terminate in on. I've seen even separate circuits for um, Extranet in the historical context of data center. So, you know, that's the sort of the gist of of what an Extranet um, is used for. Mm-hmm. And we take a different approach as far as uh, if you think of... Instead of everything coming back to the data center, you know, as it, as it were in the days of old, you know, mm-hmm. partners and third parties may be coming in via their data center or their cloud providers and may need access to connect to resources in your data center, or maybe one of your cloud providers. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you do this quickly? You right. know, how do you narrow down the scope of what is being accessed, uh, how how it's being accessed and and from where? You know, in the era of cloud and in the era of this proliferation of all these things,
0: right, out of the data center, right, without going yeah, so through these are the challenges setting up actual appliances solve. and and all that kind of thing, right? So. Yep. So yeah,
1: that's the the basically the problems that are you know our extranet as a service solution solves. So this business to business, third party, you know, all these connectivities, you know, making sure everything's secure, grouping everything together, you know. Being able to, you know, peel apart, you know, even, I mean, even in the context of, um, in business to business is, is just gigantic, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, you know, one of the enterprises I worked in, you know, we had a process, um, for, you know, B2B or we called them land to land, connectivity mm-hmm. requests at that time. So we, you know, we had this process you'd fill out a form we'd set up this VPN we'd sit on a call with this other company and try to now i remember one time i was you know setting up connectivity to a Sophos firewall one time it was a, a pfsense firewall and it's like okay i'm running you know i have an asa here okay so like we got to set up connectivity between these two things and oh we've got over overlapping ip so mm-hmm. we've got to do some level of natting and you know by the time all said and done all the calls, all the scheduling, you're looking at weeks right. sometimes before right. you can get this business to business connection up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we take that on as a service.
0: Yeah. So, so, and, and is that, you know, something that essentially uh, like all other X uh, as a service things we've been talking about, you can go into a portal kind of like, you know, spin up within, within an hour rather than those weeks and, and kind of, you know, manage that, uh, on a, on an as needed kind of basis, uh, dynamic, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, one thing that, you know, I see some of is, you know, we, the, the way that we do policies, traffic routing, um, access control, like at the network level, like mm-hmm. we have these, uh, a combination of policies groups and, you know, this intent-based policy engine, and you can basically set up these policies, to dictate like whatever outcome you want or whatever should or should not be allowed uh, things of that nature without even having to connect the network without even having the connectivity set up to that third party or anybody else. So then you can like reuse that. Right. um, uh, Across subsequent connections that are coming in, which is really useful. And Mm -hmm. basically it's just time management. If you think about it in terms of, you know, how many times do you go to like a, a new, you know, health insurance changes, you got to like a new clinic and you have to fill out everything again. You've got to put your name and your social in like 10 different places and right. like sign all the same forms. Um, you know, so all those small things that just take up a lot of time and can be frustrating, you know, we, you know, take
0: that off the plate and allow you to make repeatable right. chunks out of that to, to facilitate. It's a, it's a general rule that any, anything that you have to do more than once should be able to be automated, right? So, yeah, it's, there's like a, a broader philosophical issue there. That's like, uh, you know, if you look at the the, the last hundred years of, of technological economic development, you would think, well, how, how could we possibly do all the things that we do? But there's always tools that arise to to facilitate doing ever more, right? So um, there, there were, uh, you know, f- famous for... Um, uh, uh Keynes the economist is saying oh by by you know year 2000 people will be working like 5 or 10 hours a week because they'll be so productive or whatever <laughs> we just we find ways to fill all that up but but we we have these tools to to uh make all of that possible right so yeah all right so william uh, the the last thing i wanted to touch on is is just china as a particular market so in in our research um one of the really interesting things that we've seen is that um, we'll see enterprises who were in, you know, your traditional classic all MPLS kind of networking environment. Um, They've adopted SD-WAN, they want to move to an internet first um, kind of uh, uh, framework for, for their network. And they'll do that all around the world. And they say, I can't do that in China because it um, internet is too difficult in China. There's the, the triopoly you have to deal with one of them. You have to go through the great firewall. Things have to come in and out of Hong Kong, all of that sort of thing. I, um, like I said, you know, before I'm I'm not I'm more you know thinking about the WAN and and not cloud specifically, but I know cloud is also sort of uh, more difficult in China for for all of these reasons. So, I wonder if you just you know sort of talk about how you guys are operating in China um, and uh, and and what you've done to facilitate enterprise access into cloud in China, knowing that there's probably some extra complications.
1: Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. You know, so all cross border traffic is heavily scrutinized mm-hmm. you know ipsec is blocked um in aws in china by default right, you know, right. I- icp licenses are required to use you know like you know 443 and 8080 you know so and then you have the three carriers and you know you, you got to think each customer you've got to be registered to send traffic over those you know these cross-border links so like what we've done so First of all, that I would say that and ever since I've been working with Alkira, I've had a lot of conversations with customers. And this is probably one of the biggest ones that's come up across so many different customers. Like a lot of times you'll have like, okay, these maybe these three customers, this is gonna be useful, or these other three, this might be useful, but this has been just a unanimous right. pain point for, yeah. for so many companies. Everyone has to do business
0: there more or less, and everyone has these same uh, roadblocks to it. Uh, sometimes, kind of literally, right? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, exactly. And today, today's the day.
1: Let me tell you. So today, we announced the availability of our, you know, what we call cloud exchange points or CXP mm-hmm. for short. Um, in China. And, you know, what a CXP is, is it's almost like a virtualized point of presence running on top of these Mm. um, Mm -hmm. hyperscale infrastructure. So, you know, this is, again, it's a huge launch for us, given the importance of uh, uh, China is just a a hub for business, you know, the need for reliable and, you know, high performance connectivity, you know, inside China and abroad. So, you know, this is a major challenge today for for a lot of these companies, you know, given the regulatory and just the get, getting things to work. It's very technically complex as well. So you just jump through uh, a lot of, um, you know, you have to jump through a lot of hoops, mm-hmm. you know, from regulatory to, you know, putting together a technical design that meets your um, requirements. But, you know, to think about, so like, first of all, the benefits, like if you're going to use this um, you know, over what you're doing today, the first, I would say, in fact, all these benefits are probably unanimous among most companies, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. first one is intra-cloud. So you have, you know, you're doing business in China in isolation, maybe. Right. So you don't right. even need to connect to the rest of the world and you just need a, you know, you've gone multi-cloud. you know, in fact, a lot of what we see is just companies trying to uh, modernize. Right. So they're trying to make it easier to move to cloud and to operate and to integrate with this hybrid world we live in, you know, with connecting sites, clouds and services, you know, with this high performance. So using our, our CXP in China gives you that um, high performance, high reliability um, connectivity. And the, the second thing I think that is, you know, probably the bigger pain point, you know, that we solve for is, you know. Okay, how do you extend that connectivity um, between workloads that that exist in China mm-hmm. to maybe SaaS sites and you know operating out of the U.S. or services right, right. networks like scanning the globe? So there's ways to do this, but it's really technically complex, requires a lot of operational overhead. It's just complicated, um, and that leads me into the last thing is like the. I think the main benefit, and you know, the reason why a lot of customers are using this now, is the experience. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. even even if you pick like say a number of other multi-cloud tools out there, you're usually still deploying like a separate tenant within China, a separate management console, a right. separate way to monitor. It's like a separate everything um, in order to orchestrate and to to build this stuff up. Um, let alone if you're doing it DIY, like doing everything yourself, it's much more complicated, mm-hmm. you know, but with Alkira, you get a, a standardized network and security architecture, you know, across the board that powers, you know, an identical, um, you know, a completely identical experience between China, like in the networking, you know, across the globe and we're, this is power. So we work, um, you know, we have some great partners. We're working with CBC tech, to help power
0: the border mm. stuff and I take it that's a chinese um, company I I don't off the top of my head not familiar with them but yeah mm-hmm.
1: right I can uh yeah there's there's a lot of information about this and you know I'm sure you can put some
0: notes in Yeah the, we can put the uh, the press release in the show notes um, so, uh, this show obviously won't come out today but that press release is coming out today and uh, you know so that will be all ready for uh, for public consumption so
1: Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, we partner with CBC um, for the cross-border stuff. And, yeah, it's just been a, a really – so, if you think about it, like, the, at the end of the day, the complexity actually doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It goes away for the end user. It goes right. away for whoever's who consuming Alkira. Yeah. But, like, we're there to do a lot of this tedious stuff on the back end to to ensure you know performance to ensure reliability um and you know to ensure that the the i would say the features like mm-hmm. the you know if a service is available in China you know say like Apollo Alto or you know some aren't available in China of course right um but if if these vendors do business in China we can integrate them into this you know seamlessly insert them um you know do this service insertion that our our customers are used to doing you know like in North America as well so we we sort of put together this whole network picture you know just because it's China doesn't mean it has to be completely different right, um, right. and out of you know a completely out of pocket design so simplifying operations by bringing it under one one portal one tenant you know one way to do it you know which is extremely useful.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think that ties into what I'm seeing emerge uh, here in our conversation as this overarching theme that that the whole idea is that all these changes in the WAN and in in sort of cloudifying everything in the enterprise have introduced all kinds of complexity. But then that's the whole idea is that that then out of that complexity arises folks who who can focus on on those uh, you know sort of. Little areas and uh, and not have that complexity. You have to fall into the lap of the of the IT infrastructure team every single time, right? I think is is uh, the the general idea that people are looking for. So.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like aiming, you know, for that that oh outcome based, right? You know, economy that outcome based product. You know, you're you trying to focus on the outcome more than the you know all the little mundane details so many different things so many different processes and then it's ends up being just another brownfield and then mm-hmm. we go on with another greenfield that we have to deploy so right. yeah thinking about these things in an outcome-based way
0: yeah well william we're, we're running out of time this has been a, a really fascinating conversation but i just kind of want to end on you know what you see coming in the next couple of years in terms of cloud networking what uh what enterprises who might be listening here um uh should start to think about if they haven't yet.
1: Yeah, the the network is everywhere. And I know that some some enterprises are a little more risk averse or slow to adopt, mm. you know, cloud. Some were slow to like adopt SD WAN. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it took a little bit longer. Usually the the way that it goes is they say, hey, you know, let's there's going to be a lot of other companies that are going to build this out and then we'll learn from You're that. to watch that first. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Once it's safe, you know, but then there's some companies that jump in right away and, you know, they're on the bleeding edge of innovation. Uh, so, you know, the network is everywhere. And I think that, you know, you've got to always look out for operations. Mm-hmm. I think operations is the one area um, that never gets easier. It mm-hmm. seems like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think of, you know, if I'm an enterprise today, I'm asking, okay, can we easily deploy this solution? And can it scale with the pace of the business? And is it, it's a performance where it needs to be, you know, what performance is needed to drive the business? And then, you know, if we can, you know, support the network with our existing solutions, you know, when something breaks, what is the impact? Can we fix it? So, you know, I think these questions sort of inform the continued evolution of like multi-cloud networking, like where it's going. And, you know, those are the things that I, I know a lot of enterprises are looking at is like, we have to have something we can operate. Right. You know, we can't have all these unplanned outages all the time because of all the DIY that we've done everywhere that we forgot about. And, you know, it, it just doesn't, you know, the world has moved on and, you know, you have to think about these, these operations, reliability, uh, things and AI too. I don't want to mm, get, mm-hmm. it's, I can't go into a conversation without yeah, saying yeah, that could be AI. a whole,
0: uh, other podcast sometime too. So yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 From an operations point of view though, like I don't want AI dictating where, how traffic's going to be routed, but right. Hey, I don't mind if it's looking at a lot of data, read only, and, you know, maybe giving me insights. Right. So right. that's another mm-hmm. big area.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, that, that was really fascinating. Thank you again. Um, how can listeners keep up with you and, uh, and what you're doing at Alkira?
1: Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, William hyphen Collins or Twitter or X W Collins 502. Yeah,
0: no one will ever then, get
1: used to that. I think. So yeah, no. Yeah. And then alkiranet net for Twitter and for LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, and also Alkira.com keep right. up with our blog you know we're constantly posting you know new any any new feature we have or anything new that's coming you know we have a pretty pretty awesome blog so yeah give it a give it a look
0: yeah excellent all right thank you so much this was a lot of fun um like i said maybe um think of another topic that we have to hit uh, in in uh that might be ai we'll see <laughs> yeah cool all right yeah thank you so much cheers thank you Thanks for listening. Telegeography Explains the Internet comes from the experts here at Telegeography. It's edited and produced by Jane Miller, and it's hosted by me, Greg Bryan. And I also wrote that theme song you're listening to right now. To learn more about our data, jump over to telegeography.com, and we'll see you on the Internet.